Well, welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And unfortunately today, Ariel will not be joining me because um, she's a CP head and she needs her sleep and a rest. Uh, long story short, uh, you need more than two hours of sleep a night. <laughs> uh, we had a birthday celebration. We had to take our daughter to a promised uh, concert and it ended up being a long, long night. So Ariel's not with me today, but I do have somebody just as lovely and wonderful. Uh, our lovely goddess level patron, Kex. Hi, Kex. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of our usual theory episode that we do, I thought I'd do a little spin. I've been promising for a while that we were going to do a Master Sword patron only episode. And I was talking to Kex before the recording that I feel like the Master Sword is an important asset to the games as a whole. And it wouldn't be fair to exclude you, the listeners that aren't patrons, out of this information. So instead, I've got some other ideas I'm cooking up for the patrons only. But today we're going to do the Master Sword episode. And we're going to go through its evolution, its powers throughout the series, and I believe where it can be found in each one of the games. Right, Kex? Yes. If we have time to, I may mention a few sort of replicas of them that have popped up throughout the series as well. Ooh, I would love this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get started with a uh, little bit of uh, G-Wiz info on our Master Sword here. Uh, the Master Sword is also known as the Blade of Evil's Bane, the Legendary Sword, the Sword of Legend, the Master Sword of Resurrection, that's a key one, the Sword that Seals Darkness, and the Sacred Sword. I will coin that it is also known at one point as the Goddess Sword. So a sword of many names, if you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's, now that we know what it's been called throughout the ages and different things and different games, let's talk a little bit about its development here. The Master Sword was originally crafted by the goddess Hylia as the goddess sword. And then it was later reforged by the goddess's chosen hero, which is our Skyward Sword Link. And during that time, it was also inhabited by the spirit Fee. It was reforged by bathing it in the three sacred flames that were located across the realm that would be eventually known as the Kingdom of Hyrule. <laughs> so this is this is where we've got it here. So I guess this is where I'm going to throw over to Kex and ask, where has it been this whole time? Where can we find it at this point in the timeline? Once we take a look at the pre-split timeline after the events of Skyward Sword it's a, it steals away the spirit of demise so that he can essentially get demise's spirit to wither with a, a wither away within once this happens the interloper war occurs now as far as we know the master sword was not involved in the conflict although new information could come to light any day for all we know mm -hmm. what we do know is after the interloper war 
Roru, the Sage of Light, then resolved to hide the Triforce away and attempt to ensure that the same thing does not happen again in the future. He then constructs the Temple of Time, the Door of Time, presumably the three spiritual stones, and uses the Master Sword as the key to enter the Sacred Realm. So at this point, the Master Sword is within the Temple of Time, and it is here that it stays throughout the events of Minish Cap and the events of Four Sword. We will not see it again in the pre-split timeline until at its end, the Ocarina of Time. So I want to add something here. That our Master Sword, as we know and love it in the Ocarina of Time, doesn't actually become the Master Sword until it first is bathed in these three flames, as we've discussed. Yes. The most important of those flames being Den's Flame, which gives it the power to repel evil, and then gets augmented by a blessing from Zelda, which changes it into the true Master Sword. I've always found it ironic that it was Din's flame that, as I recall, I I think the text box said it imbued the blade with a sacred white light which demons revile. That always sort of struck me as ironic, simply given that the one that the blade is mostly raised against is Ganondorf, who wields Din's piece of the Triforce. I thought that very same thing (laughs) (laughs) I justified it in my mind via this in real life sometimes when you fight wildfires you have to do a pre-burn you have to burn off a certain point of the wood line or shrubbery or whatever to create a dead point a dead zone in fire okay yes I think of this as a similar thing. So we know that the light that is given to the blade is a piercing white light that has the ability to destroy and seal away evil. Yes. Meaning it is not equal in power to Ganon's in the aspect of it is basically cutting off Ganon's source to Din's power. Hmm when it purifies or seals it's cutting off it almost feels to me like it's cutting off the ability for that entity to utilize the power that it's come to know or you know have the ability to manipulate it's cutting it off it's sealing it off which is how it's able to seal away evil with ease it's kind of the way I picture it that could very well be I will say you are tempting me to get into my theory on why golden the golden goddesses are not truly good or evil, but that is a topic for a much different episode. <laughs> that is going to be a golden goddess level episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, we're going to dive back into some of the history here. Yes. So the Master Sword is often seen to be... It, it, it's almost like it has a mind of its own, which we now know why, thanks to Fi. It chooses its wielder. Now, it's always a hero 
and that hero always has to prove its worth to utilize the blade. It always has to do some sort of trial of courage, wisdom, or power. So however the hero is in that current timeline, they always have to prove themselves through three acts of courage, wisdom, power. And this, I believe, is because of the flames that were used to forge the original Master Sword. What are your thoughts on that, Kex? I think it all it does always work out like that, more or less. But for different reasons, interestingly enough. For example, in Ocarina of Time, where we left off, we do collect three artifacts that are tied to one of the three golden goddesses each. But if you look closer, that is actually to open the door of time. The Master Sword itself judges Link's worth when he attempts to pull it. The same can also be said in Wind Waker. We do collect three pearls that are associated with the goddesses, but that is more so to cause the Tower of the Gods to rise. What I find very interesting is that what you are speaking of, the Master Sword itself, specifically requiring the hero to prove his power, wisdom, and courage, we actually see predominantly in the Fallen timeline, almost as if the Master Sword is thinking, I had a hero that failed. I have to make sure that this next one is up to the task. And indeed, even if you do find the Master Sword in Link to the Past or Link Between Worlds, you cannot pull it if you do not have the three pendants. Mm-hmm. I know I tried multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, too, because that's going to bring me into the next thing that I wanted to talk about was a lot of people say that trial or those series of trials never actually had to happen in the Breath of the Wild. You just simply had to have enough hearts to pull the blade. But I argue the fact that in order to get those hearts, you had to go through and be able to level yourself up. And you do that by completing set missions that are sometimes strength-based, sometimes intelligence-based, like the puzzles... And other times, they are spaced solely on getting through booby traps. I have something that I wish to say on this, but I feel like we are already getting out of timeline order so badly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. We are in this point. This is all we need to know about the Master Sword at this point. We know how it was created and we know what it's at right now in the Ocarina of Time. Yes. So, if there is something you want to point out, I am more than happy to hear it. Uh, well, what I'm saying is I will point it out when we get to the Master Sword's history and Breath of the Wild. For now, let us start going down the three timelines. <laughs> okay. So, let's start off with our uh, Narky Nark timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite so, timeline, this, yes? 
Yes. Because <laughs> that's my two favorite games. Um, so in this timeline, the Master Sword is at the end of Major or at the end of Ocarina Time. It is not with us. It is currently in the pedestal, safe, nice, and cozy. Yes. We don't see the Master Sword again until we get to Twilight Princess. Now, at this point, we know by the time Twilight Princess happens that our hero has fallen. He's he's passed the torch, if you will, to the next hero in in our canon timeline here. And he quite literally passes the torch as he teaches our new hero. At this point, I'm going to pass it over to to I almost called you Link, Kex. <laughs> What's an honor. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass it over to Kex to tell us exactly where we can find our lovely little Master Sword in our Twilight Princess. Exactly where we left it. <laughs> <laughs> It is actually in the ruins of the Temple of Time that are, is now surrounded by the Lost Woods. We have seen some geolo- geological, there we go, disturbance <laughs> in, in Hyrule since Ocarina of Time. Castle Town has now moved elsewhere and the forest has overrun where Castle Town used to be. This is why we see the ruins of the Temple of Time in what is now the Lost Woods. Mm-hmm. We know that this is the Temple of Time because later on we are actually able to use the Master Sword to travel back in time in that spot to where the Temple of Time stood. And we are actually able to go through the Temple of Time as a dungeon. Spoilers for Twilight Princess. (laughs) (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) One note that I may make. This is something relatively minor, but it should be noted that in this game, the Master Sword received a small enhancement in the Twilight Realm, which enabled it to dispel Cursed Black Fog from that area. So, do you know why he got this power? Yes, it was the gods of the Realm of Twilight, I believe, essentially giving their blessing to Link, if I am not mistaken, and they did so by essentially giving the souls, which for those who have not um, played Twilight Princess, it is sort of the Twilight Realm's version of a sun. They blessed Link and the Blade by imbuing the power of the souls in the Master Sword. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Twilight Princess. The coolest element. Twilight Princess is one so, of my favorite games, and the hero of Twilight is my favorite Link. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, he's so awesome! <laughs> so, that pretty much wraps us up for the Twilight Princess and where we can find the Master Sword. But that brings us to what happens to the Master Sword after our hero of Twilight uses the blade. Is that my cue? <laughs> 
That's your kick, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, after this point, we actually do not see it again in Breath of the Wild as the until Breath of the Wild as the final game in the child timeline revolves predominantly around the Four Sword. However, mm-hmm. it a couple of observations, we actually do use the Four Sword for the first and last time against a resurrected Ganon. It should be noted that it is here that the differences between the two swords are made plain. Although the Master Sword, true, cannot split the wielder into four, the Four Sword has significant problems dealing lasting damage to Ganon. And this is a Ganon without any piece of the Triforce. Only the foul trident that we mostly see him with in the fallen timeline. The four sword can damage him at the beginning, but eventually Ganon actually gets so enraged that the four sword becomes completely unable to damage him, even though it also has the ability to repel evil, which shows us that, yes, for all of its strengths, the Master Sword cannot drive back powerful demons like Demon Kings. Mm-hmm. Not yet. <laughs> Not in this timeline. <laughs> Not in this timeline. <laughs> so that wraps us up for the uh, Narky Nark and the Funky Bunch timeline. Uh <laughs> The funky bunch, that is new. <laughs> Careful, I'm showing my age there. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to go to our mid-break, and when we come back, that is when we're going to discuss our... Uh, I haven't come up with a fun name. I guess it's just the adult timeline. Uh, <laughs> the Noah's Ark the timeline. timeline. The Noah's Ark timeline, there we go. <laughs> So uh, yeah, when we come back from our break, we're gonna come. Uh, we're gonna talk about our Noah's Ark timeline and our uh, <laughs> "Ouch, that hurt" timeline. <laughs> too soon, Aaron. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> well, here we are in the middle of the show. Ariel's not here to give me a hard time. Kex, you'll have to do it for. Her. I will do my best, but it is not my specialty. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, well, oh, wait, in, uh, wait. It, I know the line. It is. Oh, okay. It is awfully middly in here. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's like she's here with me right now. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's awful middly in here. Uh, and what we do in the oh so lovely middle of the mid break. Uh, Kex, what is that that we do? Well, not to sound narcissistic, but I do think you thank the patrons. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say you thank me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would we not be that patrons. bad, no. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, some of our patrons couldn't make it to it with us tonight, but that's okay. We'll have another patron chat episode soon, and we'll, we'll get to see them there. Deadeye, if you um, are listening, we miss you. We miss you, Deadeye. We have we have some new people uh, that will be joining us in the next episode, uh, but we also have some new patrons. So we have, of course, our returning and oh so lovely goddess level patron Kex. Thank you. And we, he, you, no, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we also have our new Hyrule royalty patron James Becker. 
and our Sheikah patrons, Deadeye and Nikki Lift Stuff, and our Kokiri patrons, Courier7 and Remington Cloutier. So, a huge thank you from us here. And I, I, I figured I would give a little tidbit to what this stuff goes to with you as the patrons. This stuff actually pays for us to be able to give stuff back to you more than you're paying us to do this show. That is an important part of why we have Patreons for these shows that we do. Because we want to give more to you as the fans. And in order to do that, we have a lot of behind the scenes things that we have to fund. But in addition to that, we also have a lot of things we have to fund for surprises and gifts and things like that that we love to send you. Uh, Kex, you got, uh, besides the uh, oh-so-lovely Save Clarence mug, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I believe you got... It's a free class. Uh, I believe you got a lovely mug from us uh, not too long ago. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, two, actually. And, yes. and King also got a wonderful shirt. <laughs> see? See? Uh, and so, yeah, this is what uh, a lot of the Patreon funds actually go to. It's giving back to you as the fans because this is our way of saying an extra special thank you uh each one of these designs on the shirts and the mugs and all the other stuff we do is handpicked and designed by me and ariel uh i painstakingly design these for hours on end uh, a lot of thought and care goes into these things so uh in addition to our words of thanks every middle this is what we give to thank you for being so awesome and donating to us um So, yeah, but that does not take away from our listeners at all. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for giving us your ear for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 10 pending. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you for loving and supporting uh, us on this show. And thank you for your reviews, which rolls me right into our reviews. So, uh, we had quite a few emailed reviews as of late and, uh, holy cow, we got a lot of emailed reviews. We got a lot of star reviews. It's going to take a lot of time to get through these things, (laughs) but, uh, I'm going to try my best to get through these emails first, uh, because obviously the reviews aren't going anywhere, but my mailbox likes to empty itself. It's got a mind of its own. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> so our first one comes to us from Atticus. And this says, hi, Aaron and Ariel. I'm Atticus and I love the Legend of Zelda so much. I've played about, this is impressive, 1300 hours of it. That's a lot of Zelda. <laughs> Your podcast is amazing, and when I found it, I was so psyched. I used the Legend of Zelda podcast for schoolwork, going to sleep, or just playing Zelda. Five stars. I have a few questions for you. First, you might have already said this, but what is your absolute favorite Zelda game in general? Mine is Twilight Princess. Ah, samesies. (laughs) Second, who or what is your favorite incarnation of Link? Mine is the hero of men, 
or women. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I know. Uh, I would have to say my favorite incarnation of Link is the Breath of the Wild Link. I like Twilight Princess. It's a great game, but the Breath of the Wild Link seems so much more of a scorn hero. And I love that. Breath of the Wild Link is almost two links in one. The before the resurrection and after. Before he is very stoic and serious like the hero of time. But after, without all that pressure that he that from his previous life because he forgot it all, he actually is quite a funny individual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, it finally ends with, and I thought this was perfect to do here. Do you mind telling Kex that she has a really nice voice? Oh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, I saved this one for you. I saved this one specifically for you, Kex. <laughs> well, what was the name of that person again? This was Atticus, our friend Atticus. Atticus, thank you so much. That means more to me than you know. So if I haven't read your email yet, don't worry, I will. Um, but for sake of time, I'm going to have and I'm having to dig through it. I think I'm going to read some of our oh so lovely new uh, Apple iTunes reviews. And we're going to start with, uh, let's see here. We're going to go with... 2022 Zelda nerd. I don't think I've read this one yet. Have I? I'm not good with usernames. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> well, we're going to rate it anyway. Uh, five stars. Zelda. I just love Zelda and I am playing Ocarina of Time and love it. I am a Zelda nerd. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you could tell. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, maybe just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Uh, the next one is W. Well, I'm gonna try this. It's it's Walker, but it's W Walker zero six seven five stars. Been waiting for a podcast like this. I periodically return every few months and search Zelda lore podcasts to see if I can even find anything that I like. This is finally what I've been looking for. This makes my day at work so much better being able to listen. I'm only sad that I've caught up on every episode now and I have to wait a week for another one. Thank you, guys. I hate having to wait to do these. <laughs> Kex will tell you I have a lot of fun behind the scenes doing these. Oh, yes. Um, life happens and it stinks, uh, but it's nice to know we have wonderful I like to call them um, our 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 fan family because uh, that's what it feels like more than just fans. It feels like family, you know. Um, it's nice to know we have such great family, and uh, it's nice to know that somebody's waiting on us to come back and is excited for the next one. And it's nice to hear that we can put a smile on faces. So uh, mushy stuff out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read one last review. And this comes to us from an enigmatic. Mm, I hate this word. <laughs> an enigmatic person. Five stars. 
best way to spend your day. Thanks for all the information about LOZ and the funny monster names. Could you guys do an episode on funny clips sent in by the fans? One final question. <laughs> what is your favorite LOZ character from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate? Enigma. Hmm. Favorite uh, Legend of Zelda character from Smash. Uh, definitely going to have to be uh, Fierce Deity. <laughs> Before you question me, it is a link you can play as. Uh, just have to choose the right color scheme. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, as for the uh, episode on funny clips sent in by fans, that might be something we can do for a live stream. Um, and I'll talk more about those things when we come to the end of the episode because we have some special announcements. Kex gets to be here for. I did not know this. This is news to me. <laughs> surprise <laughs> so that brings us to the final part of our lovely little mid break Kex what have you brought us for merch I have brought I think what may be my single most favorite piece of merchandise yet and it, it is not all that expensive compared to some of the other things it is a Makar plushie that looks Honestly, so much like the real thing. I I actually thought that someone had photoshopped the sprite from the game into this picture. Um, not only does it look amazing, but it also has a little bell inside so that if you shake Makar, he makes that little jingling noise that he does when he walks in Wind Waker. <laughs> What? Yes. <laughs> and uh, it is only for about $39. That's not bad at all for that. And it's super good quality. I'm looking at it right now. It's super nice. It has many reviews and almost all of them, I think, are five star. Ooh. And this is made by, it looks like Woolen Bees. That I, is the creator. That I did not see. Um... Yes, Woolen Bees up at the top. Woolen Bees. So if you want to get it and you don't want to use the link in the show notes, just look at Woolen Bees on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I want it. I honestly want it. I've never good? wanted something like that before. Aside from the Blue Cuckoo that I did <laughs> a couple episodes ago. Uh, but I'm starting to find that I am a grown man who wants lots of plushies all of a sudden. <laughs> there is absolutely no shame in that. <laughs> no, no shame. I have no shame. <laughs> uh, well, mine isn't as, um, shall we say, cuddly as yours, but it is soft. Oh. And uh, it's very fitting to what I uh, not only added in the Discord with the uh, Christmas tree topper, uh, but also uh, I think a couple episodes back, I talked about an ugly Christmas sweater you could get. <laughs> And uh, I, I'm going to keep on this because, you know, the holiday seasons are rapidly approaching. So if uh, you're like us here at home, we hang stockings on the fireplace every year. And, uh, you know, I have my little stocking. It's got my name on it and everything else. But uh, I stumbled across this lovely little stocking that you can get from GameStop. And it is of our a lovely little hero, Link. With some Triforces and heart pieces and rupees and it's awesome. 
<laughs> it really is excellent. It's based off of the original Legend of Zelda 2. So if you like um, retro, I believe the word is, <laughs> if you yeah. like retro things, this would be perfect for you. It's fantastic. It is wonderfully crafted. Um, it is 3D 8-bit embroidered. It has satin line hanging loop, which is really good. It is in measurements 18 inches by 11.2. I don't know why we have 0.2, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> very specific. And uh, very, yeah. Uh, and it is shippable right now. You can order it online or you might be able to find it in one of your local stores. Um, it is going right now for $14.99. And uh, yeah, I know that I get a little $5 off coupon every month for being a pro member. I might go uh, spend a little bit on this. <laughs> I will say we are going to pick up um, the Pokemon games from GameStop soon. I might have to take a quick look around the store to see if I can locate this. <laughs> hmm. If you can, if you can, I need pictures. <laughs> oh, do not worry about that. You all will be the first to know. <laughs> yes. So uh, with that being said, since Ariel's not here to do it, Kix, do you want to try to talk about our sponsors? Well, I know they are STL Ocarina. <laughs> oh my I, gosh, yes. <laughs> I know that um, they make extremely high quality products and they also come complete with songbooks, if I'm not mistaken. They do. Yes. They do, indeed. So I do know the generalities of it, but you may need to help me with the details, such as the specific code for the discount. So, I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. So, something I want to focus on uh, that they've just recently rolled out in advertising during this lovely holiday season is a new and improved durable plastic ocarina for our lovely beginners like myself. Uh, <laughs> it's durable. It's 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 great. It's easy to play, and they've made it extremely affordable so that you don't have to run out and get one of their porcelain nicely crafted ones that are a little bit uh, a little bit more expensive. Um, they're still fairly priced and good, but I mean, if you're just a beginner, you don't obviously want to throw $60 at this thing right away. So you can get a 12-hold tenor C major ocarina right now on their website for $25. And that is with a already existing 17% discount. But if you enter the uh, promo code at checkout, LOZLORE10, it'll save you an additional 10% off on this. And that's fantastic. You got a cheap ocarina for cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, Kex, you nailed it on the head. They have wonderful, you know, wonderful craftsmanship, great customer service. In fact, I just went to their website while we were doing this recording to make sure I got all the home run hits on this new Ocarina they've, you know, redeveloped. And I immediately, upon sitting on the website for maybe two minutes, got a representative to text me on their little text app saying, what can I help you with? I see you're looking at this. Is there anything I can help you with? 
What? Fantastic customer service. I know. Fantastic. Um, if anything ever goes wrong or you have any issues, they are right there ready to help you gung-ho all the way. All you need so, now is a tutor for your training montage for your upcoming battle with Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have that too. They have YouTube video training <laughs> tutorials. So you know your boys on them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, go check out STL Ocarina and make sure you use that promo code LOZLORE10 and get yourself 10% off at checkout. So that being said... Let's wrap us into the end of this episode and talk some more Master Sword facts. Yes. Okay, here we are at the uh, end of the episode. <laughs> uh, but we got some, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. And uh, for time's sake of this episode, we're going to be kind of brief here. Um, we're going to focus more on where it can be found, what its powers are, and where it gets placed at the end of each of these lovely little parts. And uh, let's start with none other than Wind Waker in our lovely adult timeline. We'll start at the beginning. That's a good place to start, right, Kex? Yes. (laughs) Agreed. So, Kex, take me home. Where can we find our lovely little Master Sword in the Wind Waker? This time it is no longer in the Temple of Time, as the Triforce is no longer in the Sacred Realm and does not need to be protected. This time it is sort of... the Pedestal of Time has sort of had a new Hyrule Castle built around it. And it is here that the Master Sword can be found. When we find it though, it is exhibiting a new power that we have not seen before. It is time-based. Someone has used the Master Sword as a means to actually stop time in the castle itself and freeze Ganon's invading army in place for all eternity. The spell is not undone until the Hero of Winds pulls the sword from the pedestal once again. Now... There is one other interesting fact on this timeline. Here, for the first time, we see that the power to repel evil must be prayed into the sword in a way. Two new sages are introduced, the sages of Earth and the sages of Wind. They pray in their temples, and this keeps the Master Sword from losing its ability to repel evil. Ganon takes steps to murder these two sages, and when we first obtain the Master Sword, although it obviously still retains time manipulation powers, it lacks the ability to repel evil until replacement sages are found. Which is a whole lot of questing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, after we use our lovely little Master Sword, where does it get seated? Or where can we find it at the end of the Wind Waker? Sadly, it is at the bottom of the ocean. It is in what I personally think of as the most brutal death scene in the series. The Hero of Winds plunges the Master Sword into Ganon's head, right in his forehead. It turns him to stone, 
and the waters flood in and drown Hyrule forever, at least in the adult timeline. And it is there that the Master Sword stays, keeping Ganon imprisoned. And that ends the history of the Master Sword for the adult timeline, which it's kind of bittersweet. It only covers one game. It's only involved in one game in this timeline, and we never see it again. Yes. Its legacy does live on, though. There are a couple Mm -hmm. swords that are based off it off of it and do have the ability to repel evil although like the four sword it is much weaker these two swords are the phantom sword of course in Mm -hmm. phantom hourglass which is actually i cannot wait for you to get the phantom hourglass the phantom sword is actually a remarkably powerful sword in its own right with its own time manipulation powers oh yeah I cannot wait. <laughs> Phantom Sword is also one of my, or fan, the Phantom Hourglass is one of my personal favorites. And actually, is, the Phantom Sword is my favorite sword outside of the Master Sword in the series. Ooh, and then oh, I feel a, I feel an episode coming on with just the uh, the, the the sword itself. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, I would love to be a part of that if that does come to fruition. And the second replica sword is unfortunately not nearly as impressive as the uh, as the phantom sword, but it is still powerful. It is the Locomo sword created by the spirits of good. We don't talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> the predominant weapon in spirit tracks is actually a, a bow rather than a sword, but it should be noted that there is a sacred sword as well. <laughs> Uh, I like to call that the Choo Choo Sword. Uh, <laughs> that is almost uh, essentially what it really is called, the Locomo Sword. <laughs> that is one step away from Choo Choo, I feel like. <laughs> Choo Choo. <laughs> so at this point in the adult timeline, the powers that the blade possesses are it has the power to, at one point, do a Skyward Strike, which eventually turns us into this turns into a more powerful beam that you can shoot kind of uh, it's more of like a rotational effect um, and in addition to that we know that it has time manipulation both in Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker and has the ability to kill and this is consistent throughout all of the timelines it has the ability to kill anyone who is too weak to wield it yes Including Link himself, if he is not trained up enough, as we will see in Breath of the Wild. Yup. And the last ability that is shown to us through this timeline is is that it has the ability to repel evil, like we've discussed multiple times. And while... These are... Oh, sorry. I was just going to reiterate, while that ability is imbued in most sacred swords in this series... The Master Sword's ability to repel evil far outclipses and it far eclipses my mistake. Far eclipses mm-hmm. any other sword in the series' ability to do so. The Master Sword is a completely different scale of holy weapon. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that jumps us over to the last timeline we have to discuss where our Master Sword is the fallen timeline 
So this is the timeline where we presume Link has fallen in the battle to Ganon at the end of Ocarina of Time, resulting in there being no hero. So, Kex, take me home. Our hero is dead, fallen to the dire devilish enemy that is Ganon. And our sword lays there. Where can we find the sword when we pick back up in A Link to the Past? Once the A Link to the Past starts, it is in the Lost Woods, similar to where we find it in uh, Twilight Princess. It can be presumed that the pedestal is once again in the ruins of the Temple of Time and that Castle Town has moved. As we previously hinted, though, the main difference that we see here with the Master Sword than in any other timeline is that the Master Sword itself now requires further proof that the person attempting to pull it is worthy of it. Before you can even take the test to pull it, you must acquire the appendance of courage, wisdom, and power. If not, even if you take the sword, nothing happens. <laughs> to your earlier point, it will not even deem you worthy enough to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned that the hard way, too. <laughs> so, we've got our master sword. We triumph over evil. And uh, then we're like, wow, it's a pretty cool sword. <laughs> what do we do with it at the link at the end of Link of the Past? This irritates me beyond belief, by the way. <laughs> Despite the fact that this hero is going to go on three more adventures, he does lay it to rest back in the Lost Woods. <laughs> it sh- and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it here. It stays there for a very long time. Well... Well, not too long. (laughs) The Oracle games, but one thing too, the Master Sword again in this game receives enhancement from Dwarven Blacksmiths, actually. One of the only time we see the word Dwarves appear in the series. Mm -hmm. That is all I had. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to get into that Uh when we start getting into the fallen timeline because it is very interesting why that is and what this is referring to. Uh, But yes, we get a nice mighty upgrade and this upgrade just kind of makes it more powerful and it, it, it goes through a couple tempered different forms finally resulting in the golden sword or the master sword level three. Yes. Is what it's commonly referred to. Uh, and at this point, it's super OP. It's super powerful. Yes. One of the most <laughs> powerful versions of the blade in the series, I think. Yes, actually. Yes. Uh, this no longer is this blade version is no longer held back in the limits to what it can banish or destroy in the realm of evil. It just does. That's just what it does. <laughs> It just is. Yes. The only thing that gives it pause is Ganon himself. And even mm-hmm. that is because he has the entire Triforce at his disposal in this game. That is what it takes to stand up to this Master Sword. Yeah. It's it's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> so 
not really any other awesome enhancements here, but uh, we skip on over Link's Awakening because it is still late to rest in Link's Awakening. Yes. And uh, that brings us to one of Kex's favorite topics, Oracle of Seasons and Ages. It is oh so confusing, but I do love it. (laughs) There are so many different ways, as we actually covered just before recording, to obtain the Master Sword in this, but there is only one true canonical way, I believe, is what our research found. Yeah. And that is to find it right where we left it. The same link retrieves it right where he left it in the Lost Woods once again, which actually means that the Lost Woods is on the border between Hyrule and Holodrum when you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, the placement of this one. We'll get to that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, we get our sword. And uh, un- unlike the other games, the, sword, the Master Sword in this isn't used as a as a major focal point sword. You can beat the game without it. If you are wondering how the boss of the game in this case, well, the games, plural, Ganon, while he is Ganon, this one actually lacks all the pieces of the Triforce. He is nothing like he used to be in Link to the Past. Uh, yeah. He's kind of he's kind of deflated a little bit, <laughs> especially when you consider, too, that the, his resurrection was botched at the hands of Twinrova. This is one of the weaker Ganons we encounter in the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, we're we're done with the Oracle of Ages and Seasons. Um, and since this is not a you have to achieve it kind of thing, you don't have to get the sword. That leaves me wondering, Kex, where, in fact, do we find the sword moving forward? Where do we put it at the end of Ages and Seasons? Well, I'm not sure if it is actually shown in the game. However, once we come to Link to the World, it is, of course, right where we left it. <laughs> in the Lost Woods once more. And here again, because we are still in the Fallen timeline, and it almost seems as though the Master Sword is traumatized from losing a hero. Once again, the pendants of power, wisdom, and courage must be collected before attempting to pull it from the pedestal. Mm-hmm. It's, I do like this. I do like this, the fact that it's almost like the Master Sword at this point is regretting all its decisions and just trusting the hero will be able to succeed. And now it's really testing the hero to make sure that it's not going to be responsible for another hero's death. Indeed, it is almost paranoid, if you will. You have Mm -hmm. to wonder if this is Fee's influence from within the blade. Oh, I don't have to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I personally think is, it is, but I I think it is still <laughs> left up to interpretation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that Fee's infamous line that makes everybody cry at the end of Skyward Sword it implies that she's not dying. She's just going into a deep sleep. Perhaps we will meet and, in another life. Yes. That deep sleep 
essentially, and the way I took it and the way it seemed to be demonstrated throughout the series is that she becomes one with the sword instead of being a separate entity that can pop out and help you whenever and has a mind of her own. She becomes one with the sword. The sword then takes her consciousness and molds it into almost its own. That's why I believe that no, she's not dead, but she isn't really alive either during all of this, but her influence is still there. And we may just hear from her again when the sword almost loses a second hero in Breath of the Wild. But more on that in a moment. <laughs> yep. So uh, we've 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 completed our hero's quest again in A Link Between Worlds. And again, nothing really fancy in A Link Between Worlds. We don't really get any new powers. It is enhanced to the golden sword again, but mm-hmm. not more so through ordinary means, ordinary human blacksmiths, although one is from low rule. Yeah, yeah. And we do get a beam increase here, strength increase here, mm-hmm. but again, nothing too impressive. It's it, We're just building up what we already have had in all of the timelines, essentially. Yes. We're just making what we have better. So... Consider it another reforge on top of the already reforge. (laughs) (laughs) So we've completed our quest yet again. Where does our master sword sit from here? This is one of the most perplexing moments in Hyrule's history to me. At this point, the location of the master sword is lost. There is a lot of turmoil in the royal family that... I am sure we will discuss in later episodes once you start examining the fallen timeline in greater detail. But Mm -hmm. the royal family has a lot of infighting in this in this section of the fallen timeline, and a lot of history is lost as a result. The two most prominent pieces of history is the existence of the Triforce of Courage is actually forgotten about. And, of course, the location of the Master Sword is lost. This means that when Ganon returns in the original Legend of Zelda, our only means to combat him is a second extremely powerful holy relic that we only see again in Link to the Past, and that is the Silver Arrows. Those are the only weapons that are comparable to the Master Sword, and unfortunately, We do not know a lot about them. I really wish we knew more. And anybody with theories, please do join the Discord and tell me, please. (laughs) Kex needs her theories. Yes. (laughs) This is is what I live off of. Please. (laughs) Please do me a favor and share with me your theories. (laughs) So uh, uh, I know it's going to come up. It's going to be a big question. Um, why didn't we talk about uh, the Legend of Zelda and Ancient Stone Tablets game? Because it is ambiguously canon, and we will get to those kind of situations later. Right now, we're focusing on what has been confirmed canon. Uh, oh my goodness. This... I just realized we forgot something big. Uh-oh, what did we forget? We forgot, in speaking of um, confirmed canon, in Link to the Past... 
we did actually have the Master Sword absorb the broken fragments of the Four Sword in the Palace of the Four Sword. Oh my god. Yes. Yes, we did forget that. Nothing so there's, much. there's another little... <laughs> I was going to say, there's another little tasty piece that we added to our Master Sword. <laughs> yes. We do not see too much come of this yet in the current games, but you never know what could happen in the future, especially if you believe that the timelines have merged in Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah. Which... Now that we're here, I think it's time for us to jump into that part of the episode. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk Breath of the Wild. And uh, we'll leave this episode with uh, some potential theories we have about what the Master Sword is going to do in Breath of the Wild 2. (laughs) So, in Breath of the Wild, we... This is where the Master Sword really starts to... I would argue starts to become more of a puzzle piece to solving some of our questions with Link. Because in this, it is referred to as the Master Sword of Resurrection. When we get it, and we again find it in the Lost Woods. Right where we left it. it. (laughs) Right where we left it, yep. It is rusty. It is just, it is in a state of sorts. Um, it's seen better days. And even when we pull it out, it still isn't at its peak performance. It isn't until we complete the trials that it actually gains a semblance of the power it once had. Yes. And because. Oh, go ahead. That is actually what I was going to get at earlier when you were talking about the Master Sword asking it um, its wielder to prove itself. No, no, we did not have to collect pendants or anything for this iteration of the Master Sword. Mm-hmm. But we did have to complete a rigorous test in order for it to achieve full power. It would not bless us with its true might until the trial of the sword is completed. Yeah. Which brings me to another thing. At this point in the timeline, regardless of how it falls, at the end of each one of the timelines, we discussed the Master Sword and where it lied at the end. It had a quite a quite a substantial upgrade in power in all of them. Uh, it was truly really reached, I would say, peak performance in the Fallen timeline. But even then, at the end of the adult and the uh, child timelines, it still had quite a substantial bulk to it. So regardless if your reservations are in the merging timeline theories or not, it is still a concerning fact that the Master Sword has depreciated in strength and magical properties because it just sat there. Yes. It was 10,000 years since it was used last during the era of the Hero of Calamity. And as far as we know, a lot of the games do not have confirmed times between them. 
but we can probably guess that the Master Sword has never gone a full 10,000 years without being raised against evil until now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no real new powers in this, except for we get to see our beam again. We get our sword beam again. Um, and it's wielded in a similar fashion to the Skyward Sword. And it's, you know, this, the Skyward Sword Strike. It doesn't use it in the exact same manner, but the way it is wielded, holding it up over your head and, you know, finally sending the weapon in a general area is a similar fashion. And speaking of Skyward Strikes... <laughs> It, Ooh. it is in this game that we at long last and th this is going to be difficult if you have not played Skyward Sword but in this game in two instances you can hear the Master Sword make what is definitively the sounds. She, when she talks in Skyward Sword it sort of sounds like odd chimes it makes those exact same sounds here twice. Once mm -hmm. to Zelda, when it is informing her that Link can still be saved if she takes him to the Shrine of Resurrection. And again, upon the successful completion of the aforementioned Trials of the Sword. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up because that is a nice segue into the final piece I want to <laughs> talk about here. <laughs> so this is where we're at right now in the timeline. And everybody's wondering from the images we saw and the clips we saw uh, to the, the little spoiler teaser trailers and everything else we've seen of the Master Sword, it is shattered into pieces. It is, it is broken. It is a fragment of its original self so everybody's wondering what happened to cause this and I have two theories if I can steal Kex's theory spotlight for a moment by all means I have been <laughs> hoarding it to myself for far too long <laughs> so my first theory is that the blade itself after being reforged and reforged and reforged and reforged multiple times throughout the timeline and then being left to rot has potentially leaked out the dark ichor that is the sealed demon demise. And in this has also lost its ability to merge with Fee. So I firmly believe that there is a potential that she will return to us in this new game, especially with the chimes you mentioned. And there will be some sort of crossed issue that we have to deal with between not only the Gan between Ganon, Calamity Ganon, uh, but also returning of Demise. I'm so sorry I'm laughing. <laughs> I, I, it just, as you were speaking, it finally dawned on me what this discussion has been reminding me of about the Master Sword losing its power because it was sitting dormant for too long. 
Uh oh. What happened? It reminded me of a car battery. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's canon now. The Master Sword is like a car battery. If it sits too long, it's going to die. I am so sorry to break the serious conversation, but I've been sitting here trying to remember, trying to figure out what this has been reminding me of, and finally it dawned on me. I am so sorry. God. I am so, so sorry. Please continue. I love that. I love that (laughs) thought. That is now canon to me. (laughs) Well, thank you. So the second theory I'm left with here is in these trailers that we've gotten for Tears of the Kingdom. We've also seen that Link has acquired some new abilities and a really cool new arm. So that new arm looks to be heavily influenced with some sort of spirit or dark magic. That would mean that Link is no longer going to be able to righteously wield the Master Sword because the Master Sword can only be wielded by those of pure of heart. So that would mean that there is a potential that the Master Sword must be reforged so that Link can once again wield it against the Calamity. That's... Well, it certainly has to be reforged one way or another. Oh, most definitely. Yes. Most definitely. I do wonder. I would. It's maybe that once it is reforged, it could cleanse his arm the same way the Master Sword co- sort of cleansed Zant's curse that permanently bound Link to his wolf form in Twilight Princess. It could be something similar. There is also some a notion that I am entertaining. Once before in this series, we have seen a sacred sword be completely shattered and reforged and not lose power, completely shattered. That was the Picori sword. It was a powerful blade in its own right. But once it was shattered, it was eventually reforged into what we know as the Four Sword. And it was a vast improvement on the Picori Sword in every way. I wonder if the Master Sword, when it is reforged, I wonder if it will even be the Master Sword anymore, if it will be something as, as crazy as this sounds, far superior. Well, I mean, in the Russian translation for the Master Sword, it is called the Supreme Sword. Hmm. I did not know that. So, That's interesting. Yep. The, tr- the Russian translation translates to Supreme Sword. And uh, it's one of the only languages that does translate into a different language. So it's certainly an idea that I also am entertaining at this point because it's not an impossibility and you said it best we've seen it before but as always anything could happen at this point May cannot come quickly enough oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I think that's going to wrap us up for the Master Sword episode um 
there are a couple other tidbits uh, and some other areas in the Legend of the Law timeline where we do, in fact, see the Master Sword. Uh, one of these being a lovely four sword adventure game. Uh, but it is not. It's arguably not technically the Master Sword or it's arguably not canon uh, because the Master Sword and the way it appears in that game, it's just it's just not our Master Sword. It's kind of odd. Um, and there are other circumstances of this happening throughout the series. But these are the the ones we discussed in this episode are the canon Master Sword drops. Yeah. This is where it is. So that is why we did this the way we did it. If you have questions. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I want to say a huge thank you to Kex. Thank you for joining me, Kex. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, and as always, it was lovely to discuss these things with you. <laughs> Agreed. So, uh, before we sign off, I promise there are surprises that I have to discuss. Oh, yes. So, uh, before we sign off, um, these surprises are still going to be, I still can't give affirmative details on these things yet. Um, but what I will say is we have some projects behind the works. Uh, Kex knows, uh, that we have been heavily, heavily behind the scenes working on some new shows that we're talking about rolling out here pretty soon. Um, one of those being a lore cast that will focus on another popular uh, video game series uh, that is coming out with a new game relatively soon. Um, but that is screaming. The- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But that being said, that's not the thing I want to focus on. The other thing that we've been working behind the scenes on, and this is why you may not have been seeing us in the Discord as often or anything like that, is we are working on being more involved with you, the fans. Um, One of the things that I've recently rolled out with and that I'm going to try to keep up with is uh, a regular stream on Saturdays. now, if you are below the age of 18, <laughs> I wouldn't tune into the stream because it is going to be, it's not going to be PG in um, the games we play all the time. Um, but if you're an adult and you want to come check us out, uh, I will release links in the Discord on frequent uh to let you know when I'm streaming and what we're streaming today. Um, That's just one thing because these streams are also going to be more involved with playing with you, the fans. Um, And then moving forward from there, we're also planning um, some charity events moving into the next year. Uh, And these charity events are going to be extremely heavily impacted by you, the fans of all the shows we do at the Fumbling 4 network uh, within the Robots Radio Network. We're going to be hitting hard home the big fact that we push all the time which is these shows were created to make a difference and we feel like here we can do more and we are going to continue to push to do more um the next year coming up has got some big things coming for these other shows too we're going to start getting more guests and i'm excited because some of the guests uh i've been begging and pleading to show up and they said okay let's do it and other ones, I'm like, I have to figure out a time slot for you. But we are pushing to get more guests uh, from other podcasts. And 
maybe even the games you love to come talk to us. Uh, voice actors, uh, whatever, the sky's the limit. So if you have a specific request for people that you want to come guest with us and maybe you think would make an interesting episode, hit me up. Emails in the show notes. Let us know. Um, but yeah, those are the details I can release right now. I don't know how exciting they are, but I was excited. <laughs> I am excited. And I I will say this. If you can make his streams, definitely do so. I was lucky enough to attend his... Um, fa- is it pronounced phasmophobia? Yeah, phasmophobia. Yes. I was terrified the whole time. He's- and it was... He streamed that and it was very, very entertaining. And he was a very good sport because he enabled the audience to scare him with alerts <laughs> during all throughout the game. And uh, I've never seen a more patient man. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I had a blast and uh, the jump scares were uh, they, they added a little bit of a uh, sense of terror and fun to the game <laughs> as well. So. Um, but with that being said, so we don't make this episode super long for you. Um, again, thank you all for uh, being patrons. Thank you all for being fans. And thank you all for the love and support that you always show us. So until next time, thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Goodbye. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter at LOZLoreCast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this.